hit me. From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for... Suck The number one award-seeking comedy podcast about comedy... Podcast. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy podcast podcaster, Mark Hershaw. Yes, our announcer, Bill Haywatt, is correct. It is me, Mark Hershon, your host and official taste tester for Epi 104 of Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast. And this is a Succotash Chats episode. No clips, just chat. Here in San Francisco, they just wrapped up the 14th annual San Francisco Sketch Fest. One of the groups making their return to the fest was the Thrilling Adventure Hour. And for the third year in a row, I sat down with Hal Lublin, the official announcery guy for TAA. We catch up with what he's been doing since we chatted last year, and then have a pretty wide-ranging discussion about podcasts, comedy, who we would cast if they made a movie out of the Greatest American Hero TV series, a moment with comedian Bill Dwyer who stopped by, big-time wrestling, and a bunch of other stuff. Now, I've played samples of Hal as he appears on the Thrilling Adventure Hour before, so I thought this would be an interesting shift. During the day, Hal works a regular gig as an IT administrator, but he also does videos for the company, appearing as Hal, the IT admin. So, not not really a stretch, I guess, but here's the audio from his very first one that he did back in 2006. Hi, my name is Hal, and I'm an IT administrator. I, I do lots of stuff, but mostly I manage our servers. You know, set them up, I run the backups, I rotate the tapes, make sure that they're protected. Today, uh, we had one of our servers go down. Complete hardware failure. It just happens. <laughs> That's one of the top reasons servers go down. And, and, and here he is. Little Steve. Steve the server. He's gone. Toast. Blue screen of death. Have you ever tried to recover a server? It's fun. Fun! Somewhere between an IRS audit and a root canal. You know how long it takes to recover a server? Hmm? It takes a very long time because there are lots and lots of steps, any one of which can go horribly, horribly wrong. And it takes even longer when everybody's yelling at you. So why is it so complicated, you might ask? You might want Steve, the server here, to recover all of his applications, updates, his original system configuration. You know, that, that's baby stuff. Simple stuff. So where do you start? Simple! First, you have to repair or completely replace his hard drive. You know, or you might just want Steve to re- recover to, to another server, like his brother Sonny over there. But no, no! Because you have to have the exact same hardware. Two, you have to get the critical system configuration information, but you have to get the disks. So you've got to find the original disks. Oh, where, oh, where can my little disks be? Three, you have to repartition and format the hard drive. Four, you reinstall the operating system. And number five, are you ready? You have to install all the operating system service packs. That's fun! And... You get to reboot! Oh, no, I'm sorry, my mistake. You get to start rebooting! Because you have to reboot after you install every service pack. Reboot! 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 And sixth! Are are you still counting? 
because if you are, you just moved to your second hand. Now you get to install all of the drivers. I'll bet you can't install just one because you have to install all of them. And you get to reboot again <laughs> the profiles. Where are the stinking profiles? I need the profiles. Now you install your backup application so you can finally get to your data after the profiles and service packs and updates and Steve, you little I had to think. We were friends. I gave you my best MP3s. And this is how you repay my trust, my time. Everything I've invested in you? Ah! Why don't you recover now, Steve? Huh? Who is your daddy? Symantec Backup Exec System Recovery. Disc-based, hardware-independent, bare metal restore for your servers. Why, Stevie? Why? Why won't you recover? Backup Exec System Recovery. Recover Windows systems anytime, anywhere, to virtually any device. That's some of Hal the IT Admin. You can find more link through Hal Lublin's own uh, website at hallublin.com. But it's just a taste of the Hal Lublin experience, the rest of which will be coming up in just a few minutes on this episode of Succotash Chats. If you're looking for comedy podcast clips, we're lining up a full rack of them in upcoming Epi 105, including a brand new feature that our associate producer Tyson Sainer cooked up. Here's the intro for it, and it's kind of interesting. Podcast Graveyard. Now, he came up with this idea because Tyson has been discovering the bones of so many discarded podcasts floating around on the internet that he's starting to exhume the few dusty clips he can find, and we will start sharing them with you starting next episode. Coming up later in this episode will be our Burst o' Durst with comedian and social commentator Will Durst. We've also got the Tweet Sack after our visit with Hal Lublin. But before we get to that interview, here's a message from our sponsor. Friends, for years, Henderson's Pants has been saying that we offer stylish lower body wear for every member of your family. Well, it's time to come clean. That hasn't been exactly truthful. Sure, Henderson's offered pants for mom and dad, brother and sister, even baby. But what about Fido and Fluffy, the dogs and cats of this great country? Aren't they members of the family too, you ask? Well, they are now. With Henderson's Pet Pants, your favorite furry friend doesn't have to be bare-assing around the house any longer. With more colors and fabrics than you can fetch a stick with, pets now have no excuse not to be putting on the dog or cat when it comes to stepping out in style. And Henderson's Pet Pants are not just limited to your pooch or pussy. Birds, fish, lizards, we are complete petophiles at Henderson's, and we have just the pant no matter what your companion companion's persuasion. Whether you want to see your Dalmatian in denim or your Persian in petal pushers, we've got it. That squawking cockatiel in corduroy, goldfish in gold lame, or Komodo dragon in khaki, ho-ho, we've got it. Hendersons can even lock your livestock up in stylish trousers. Imagine Porky's ham hocks in herringbone, or your frisky llama in linen. We've got that, too. 
Originally designed for petting zoos, furry conventions, and the Bohemian Grove, Henderson's Pet Pants are now available, truly for the first time, for the entire family. That's Henderson's, makers of fine trousers and pantaloons since 1896, and now back to Suckatash. I'm sorry to say that once again, the check from Henderson's Pants failed to clear at the bank, so we're asking you for your help to keep Suckatash going. It's as simple as visiting our home site, SuckatashShow.com, and clicking on the Donate button. You'll be whisked off to our secure PayPal site, where you can, in the privacy and comfort of your own mouse, decide how much you'd like to kick into the Suckatash saucepan. Every bit helps to defray the cost of production, posting, promotion, and other things that start with P. Plus, you'll get a hearty thank you and a shout-out right here on the show. If you'd like to help out in more modest ways, shall we say, you can do your online shopping by clicking on the Amazon.com banner at the top of our home site. Once you buy something, they lop off a tiny chunk from the purchase price and heave it over our way. Or you can visit iTunes, look up Succotash in the podcast section, then rate and review us at no cost to you, but it helps us to go up in the ratings, other people will come listen to us, and maybe they will donate some money. All right, let's get to our interview with Hal Lublin. Hal's a very nice guy, as witnessed by the fact he had just gotten to town, hadn't even checked into his hotel room, and sat down with me for 45 minutes before rushing off to rehearse two shows that the Thrilling Adventure Hour was going to be performing later on that night. Apologies in advance for the quality of the audio. We were in the lobby of the Hotel Tomo in Japantown, and there was music piped into the lobby we couldn't do anything about. So hopefully after listening for a few minutes, you'll tune most of that distraction out, at least until we point it out again. Right. Whatever happens. Whatever happens. happens. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, anyway, and I have, I have no agenda. It was almost kind of a last-minute thing. I said, oh, that's right. They're coming up this weekend. i gotta, <laughs> I got to do my traditional annual interview with Hal. Yeah. So here we are at the Hotel Tomo this time. Yes. Uh, so this is the third location. We've done our third annual Hal Lublin interview. Yes. And we have a different soundtrack this time. Yes, we do. We'll it's similar. We'll come back to San Francisco. Yeah. Thank now, you. Now, have you been here in the last year? I have. I don't think I have. Okay. I think this has uh, been my first trip up here since the last one. Okay. So once again, uh, you're here for the 14th annual SF Sketch Fest. Yes. With Thrilling Adventure Hour. That's correct. Uh, now you guys have two shows? We're doing two shows tonight at the Brava Theater. Okay, well, we'll try and go easy on your voice. I won't make you do any uh, histrionics or uh, you. anything else that's going to take you far afield of your normal tones. I appreciate it. Abs We're in vocal rest now. We're just going to mark this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, in fact, if, uh, if I ask a question you think is going to stretch you too far beyond the bounds of uh, vocal propriety, just shake your head and I'll move on. I'll just I'll plead the fifth. <laughs> I'm pleading the vocal fifth on that. And let's see, in our previous two interviews, uh, I think we've we sort of plumbed the depths of, of your career. Mm -hmm. uh, we found out that uh, uh, you're still happy with your day job. Yeah. But still doing a lot of vo vocal work. Yes. Which is great. Yeah. Um, anything, uh, anything new in the world of Thrilling Adventure Hour? I know you guys have, uh, have had some interesting sort of fusion shows. Yes. In the last year. Yeah, uh, You worked with uh, Midnight... Uh, Welcome to Night Vale. Welcome Val. to Night Vale. Yeah, we did two different crossovers with them. One in Seattle and one in San Diego. Right. In fact, I think last year when we were doing Sketchfest, you were leaving Sketchfest to go to San Diego the following week. Yes, that was my... 
second live show with them. I had done, uh, you know, a handful of us had gone in October of 2013 yeah. and done a show, a show with them in Brooklyn. And so this was the first one of, of the touring show called The Librarians, which they toured with for over a year. In fact, I was oh, just okay. in New York last month to do sort of the definitive recording of it. Okay. So that, that script, I think, is retired now. <laughs> <laughs> and what else is uh, Thrilling Adventure Hour been up to? I know their graphic novel came out. Yes. Because I own a copy. Graphic novel, and you enjoyed it? I did. I did Fantastic. indeed, although I... I I, you know, you read it so you don't hear it, but I yes. imagined I could hear your voice in all the narrative there it is. sections. <laughs> Every time there's a yellow box, that's, right. that's me. That's how. That's how I look in print. <laughs> um, so yeah, that came out, that did really well. I think it's still available, I'm sure it is. Um, the, the other big news is they, that Ben and Ben have been working on a series of monthly comics mm. based on Sparks Nirvana and Beyond Belief. Okay. They, they put out issue zeros. Um, a few months ago online, and they're, the number ones come out this month. Nice. A little bit later this month. Nice. So, so that's sort of the, uh, the, not the beginning, but sort of the continuation of Thrilling Adventure foraying into other media. And that's uh, got to be exciting. It is. It is. I mean, we did the concert film. That's really close to being complete. Nice. Um, we did a web series, sort of a behind-the-scenes web series. Oh, okay. That, that was a lot of fun. And I, I know they have a lot of plans for what's next. I don't think there's anything that's ready to announce yet. Oh, okay. But the, the probably the biggest development with Philly Adventure Hour is the monthly shows in Los Angeles are stopping in April. Oh, really? That'll be our last monthly show after 10 years. Now, why is that? I think the, the way I sort of look at it is that the Bens are a commodity. Mm-hmm. And they're working on different comic series... They're working on Puss in Boots for, for DreamWorks. Mm. You know, they've got a lot of different irons in the fire. So if only a certain amount of that resource is available for Thrilling, for thrilling Adventure Hour, how, how much more could uh, we impact sort of different media if, yeah. if we weren't just doing a stage show? Right. Um, so I know the, the podcast is going to continue for several months because we're it's come, banking it's episodes. It's out of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, that's going to be a big change, and and you know I don't think any of us are a hundred percent sure what what the evolution of Thrilling Adventure Hour is going to look like. Yeah. But it's but it's exciting to think about it. What does what does that spell in the near uh, future for for you in terms of the fact? I mean, you're you know do a lot of the narrative of the show. Sure. But if the show isn't happening, uh, I, I know you must be involved in some of these other. Products, the spinoff products, the particularly your you know, your vocal talents are lent to that. But on an ongoing basis, how do you think that's going to affect what you're doing? I feel like it's the the working on that show is going to start happening in bursts mm. rather than you know right now it's kind of steady. Mm-hmm. We do we know we're doing a monthly show and we've done a certain amount of travel. I mean we've done San Francisco. I think this is mm-hmm. maybe our fifth year. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so there's that. And for me personally. You know, I'm working to get to get voiceover work, but also I'm doing stuff with Night Vale. Uh, they're going out on tour oh, nice. in March and, and April and some of May, and I'll be joining them for some select dates. Oh, cool! And then uh, Philly Adventure Hour has got a little a little bit more travel that we're currently lining up. Um, we've announced um, intentions to go to Australia and 
uh, that's going to be sometime in the spring. Hopefully there will be an announcement about that soon and those plans will get firmed up. So it, it almost feels premature to try and plan for life after Thrilling Adventure Hour when there are so many shows left. I mean, we have these and then next week we do another show and, and we're doing two shows like you said, uh, it goes through April. So. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll, ha- we'll do a lot of other dates sort of in there, I think. Could there be a Hal Lublin podcast in the offing? Y- you know what? I <laughs> I keep talking to Mark Gagliardi and saying, we're going to do a podcast together. Uh, we were just, I just came here to speak with you from lunch with Mark and Ben Blacker was there mm-hmm. and, and Annie Savage and her husband and, and child. And I've been sort of taunting Mark about this and I gave him a couple ideas and Ben was like, just do it. <laughs> So, I, I think I would like to foray into that, into that world a little bit. Be, there you it'd go. be fun. Nice. I just uh, I actually did a little bit of voice work um, for um, Hob the Troll. Oh, awesome! Uh, just because uh, I had him as a guest on my show, and I was uh, professing the fact that I was very jealous that you and Gagliardi. <laughs> had voiced characters on the show and so he threw me a bone he was doing and I don't even know if it ever got dropped but he was doing his Hob the Tr- Hobbs Christmas show and he had me do like a dozen lines to drop into the party sequence but uh, I think he was just feeling pity for that's me that's awesome I'll bet it's in there he's a pretty stand up guy troll stand up yes. troll he's a stand up troll and I've heard there's some guy who's somehow associated with it he's a pretty good guy but I can't prove anything no of course not of course not um so, other than uh, Thrilling Adventure Hour, what uh, what other stuff? Now, you last time we talked, you were um, working with David Feldman on his show. Are you still doing any of that work? He, uh, I worked with him uh, through most of last year. He's been in New York working on a show with um, with Bob Smigel. Okay. So he and I have skyped a couple of times. Um, it's not as regular right now, but you know, it's interesting that. That has sort of spawned relationships with David, um, a little to a lesser extent with Bob. I actually, through that show, got brought in to do some voiceover oh, work cool. on an uh, as-yet-unreleased uh, project. Okay. But, I mean, that's... Yeah. You know, the, the further you get, and you can attest to this, certainly, when you're doing anything in entertainment, it it's just as valuable to be building and, and maintaining relationships as it is to do sort of the general work to keep up Absolutely. your instrument or, or whatever it is. So, yeah, yeah. you know, I've been fortunate to, to make a lot of friends who have given me opportunities to, to do things with them. Um, last year when we talked, we talked a little bit about sort of how um, Hollywood and the sort of face and complexion of show business is changing, given the fact that it's so accessible now, and even more so in the last year than before that, in terms of being able to do video and audio and film and all this stuff, and that you're no longer waiting for somebody, I mean, it'd be great if somebody would write you a giant check to do something, yeah, of course. but you're not limited to that anymore. Yeah. Um, I just had, uh, just to drop a name, I had dinner a couple weeks ago with Dana Carvey, who was up here, and he was so excited because he'd finally learned how to edit video on Premiere Pro, <laughs> and he's been trying to do this video series we've been working on for a while, and he, he's always having trouble getting people to do what he says. It's just so funny to me that even somebody of his stature can't get something put together he would like to have it put together. And yeah. he, he had these little scenes he'd put together on his iPhone to show me. And he was just, he was like a little child. He was so happy that now he had this skill at his command. So with all that going on, um, 
How do you think things have sort of changed even more since we've talked? I mean, have you seen the evolution continuing? Yeah, I think people are, are you know, I think there's less of a mentality of let's throw everything up on a wall and see what sticks, and more how can I build the tools and the skill and knowledge to create something I think is really good and put it out there. Yeah. Um, and there's still experimentation in that, but I do think it's, you know... I don't think people are accepting of just anything anymore because there's quality out there. There's quality material being created. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very true. Yeah. You talked before about your, you know, when you're doing voice auditions now, you're just cutting them yourself. You don't have to go somewhere and have somebody record them for you. You're doing it all yourself. Yeah. And the, you're right. The quality now has to be pro. It can't just be somebody. You know, talking to some crappy recorder and hoping that's going to win the day. Yeah, that stuff has uh, has sort of been filtered out. It's sort of become white noise. Yeah, I think. So, have you become more uh, uh, more technological in your prowess in knowing what equipment is about and knowing how to put things together? I feel like I know just enough to be kind of dangerous. <laughs> I have some basic understanding of film editing. I can edit audio just fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of it's been, you know, I would rather partner with someone and see what the two of us can do together yeah. than try to be a one-man band. Um, that's just a, that's a personal preference. Um, so I started a project that I've been working on for I don't know, maybe like four months or so, something called Unimations. Hmm. So uh, a good friend of mine, his name is Len Peralta, he's an illustrator, and I met him through a project he was doing called Geek A Week, where he does trading cards based on different geeks. I think I've seen those. Yeah, so I think I was in the fourth deck that that just (laughs) was done, and he was out in LA and we were at dinner and we were just trying to figure out something we could do that would showcase his art skills and, and me doing characters so we came up with a concept where we took this list of names that had been submitted for a, a project he was going to do that never really got off the ground and I improvise for 60 seconds I do like a character little character voice slash monologue then I send it to him and he draws he gives himself 15 minutes to draw the character. <laughs> then he speeds up his drawing, so it's happening in real time as you watch. Oh, okay. As you watch the video, and it's it's fun, and it's a, it's a learning process. Yeah, for sure. But I, I think his his art is fantastic. So it looks that sounds like I fun. think it looks great, and and you know it's again it's a process figuring out what is, what is the best way to do this. How what's going to be the most effective sort of way for me to tell a story quickly. Yeah. So you're learning new skills, new ways to communicate. Yeah, it's just figuring out the approach is really important, I think. Yeah. Um, How has what's going on in the world affected things that you're doing in terms of, I mean, does it have any effect? Political things, um, social events, uh, I mean, things like, most recently... Uh, the, the, the Brian Williams thing, where he, right. you know, conflated his uh, helicopter adventure, and it's really had this incredible blowback <laughs> effect, right? I yes. Mean, yeah, I mean, it, I haven't seen it affect the really adventure yet. Right. Um, I certainly find it amusing, and I think probably. <laughs> Like a lot of people who are involved in comedy or one way or another, you sort of go on Twitter and figure out, like, what's my best version of a joke I could put out? But that cycle is so fast. Oh, man. That if I, if, 
you know, I look around and if I see that a bunch of people have already done something, I'm like, this is already. I tweeted something yesterday, which was, uh, I put I put it up as like a news. I said bra- breaking. Uh, Brian Williams has just supplanted uh, John Stewart as the leading voice in fake news. Because <laughs> you know that's the Comedy Central line for John Stewart. Oh yeah, yeah, that's great. <laughs> I think I, I was talking with somebody. Do you know Joseph Scrimshaw? Yeah, I know the name. I don't yeah, know him. But... Really, really funny comedian. He. It was him that tweeted something, and my response was something like, I, "Now I'm not even sure if he really, if he really was able to escape the Death Star moments before the rebel attack." <laughs> <laughs> it's just how many dumb, yeah, and apparently dumb scenarios. Apparently now he's uh, taking he's been t- uh, taking a break from nightly news. <laughs> how long do you think that break's gonna last? Forever? <laughs> For Met, possibly so. Until he shows up on another network somewhere. Yeah. Fox News. Yeah. For first, of course, he'll have to go into rehab, even though he has no substance abuse problem. But Very important. Everyone loves a comeback, so. Yes. And, it, and it'll show that he's gone on a journey. That's right. Which is the really important thing. That's right. Hopefully a journey he won't lie about this time. Yeah. <laughs> I learned a lot of rehab, and thankfully I was able to get away seconds before the fireball hit. Mark Agliardi walking past everybody. Mark we met, Agliardi. We met last year briefly. Hi, Mark. We met last year briefly. Yes. Mark Hershaw with Suck Attack. Good to see you. How are you? Good. Excellent. This can't be edited, so you can be in it. That's right. Because this can't we, be edited. Well, because yeah. of the music background oh, playing, God, I can't yeah. edit. So, uh, so you're stuck having to listen to Hal drone on and on. <laughs> and then uh, my third uh, yeah. show I did. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you don't want to hear like, go less. <laughs> That's my edited version of Make Me Breathless. <laughs> You're welcome. Mark Agliardi, everybody. Mark Agliardi. <laughs> hey, good to see you. <laughs> um, what, uh, what other things uh, have you been dabbling in that have nothing to do with show business? I mean, any other hobbies? or I know you, for a while you were... Uh, uh, Getting into some, you had some sort of fitness regimen you were into. I forget what it was. Oh yeah, a lot of walking. Walking. Yeah. yeah. Trying to get back into that. Yeah. I got in. I got off of walking and into eating. Okay. Which is really bad. All right. Um, <laughs> yes. So I'm trying to get back into that. I'll tell you what. I, what's really been like. This is crazy. When I was a kid, I loved professional wrestling. And that was like the era of Hulk Hogan. So yeah, yeah. Every every kid enjoyed it to a certain degree. Then I then I sort of moved away from it, and then I watched it again in high school for a little bit. And got away from it, and then watched it again when I was just out of college, and it kind of stuck that time. And and now they've released the WWE has a network uh, that's yeah. basically they they're the only major promotion left. So they purchased the the archives of all these other oh. promotions. So they basically are the the Library of Congress of wrestling. <laughs> Quite a claim. Yeah. So they have like a monthly subscription service where you can access pretty much. All of this footage, and, all wrestling and, yeah. from every time and, and every it's fascinating. Haystack Calhoun, Haystack Calhoun's is yeah. there. Nice. Uh, <laughs> Jeez, that's how far back my my knowledge of wrestling goes back to. Is that's all I remember. He was a big man. Yes, he was. <laughs> Haystack Calhoun. That's funny. So yeah. you so you've gotten heavily into that, or just, just like I can't. I, my wife is like, whenever I come into the living room, you're watching wrestling. It's not the only thing I watch, but it's a lot of what I watch. That's funny. Just, and I take it she does not watch it with you. Not really. The, I <laughs> I tried to get her in through a, they have a reality show called Total Divas, which mm-hmm. is on E. And so that has like 
a show she might watch just for fun. Okay. Mixed with like stuff I watch all the time. That worked for a little bit, but <laughs> it didn't take. It didn't take. Yeah, I have the same problem. I don't watch wrestling, but I have my guilty pleasure shows I watch. My wife goes, "How do you watch this stuff?" And then I turn around, she's watching The Bachelor, <laughs> and I go, "What? What, what do you? Th- At least my things I'm watching are scripted. Yeah. You're watching this." <laughs> Let's be fair. Come on. Also scripted. Well, yes. <laughs> Must be. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so what is your guilty pleasure? Oh, all, all the superhero stuff. The Flash. Oh, I think Arrow. They're great I series. Think, I think they're terrific. I think DC... There's no, there's no question that Marvel Has is movies. way better at movies. But DC is cracked television, I think, yeah. for the most part. I'm, but jury's still out about Gotham in my mind. I, I like what I've seen of it. And I know Ben and, and Donald, who are great guys, like I wanted to be really successful. Yeah. Arrow, I got into like mid first season, mm-hmm. really enjoy it. And then Flash, I was anticipating. Well, I, that was, when I was a kid, that was, for whatever reason, Flash was always my favorite. I don't know why. I mean, I like Superman. Yeah. I was never a big Marvel fan. I mean, I liked it fine. But mm-hmm. Flash, for whatever reason, he just, just because all he had was his speed, it just, yeah. he had nothing else going on. <laughs> Really, I he mean, just sits there being fast. I on mean, a he Saturday is, but night. he's also really smart. Yeah, you know? I mean, he's a cr- criminal investigator. You know, right? He's a yeah. forensic scientist and more lighthearted. Yes, certainly than Batman. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's fun to watch him team up with people. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I was always sort of drawn to that character too. And I think they, I remember the TV series that came out in in 1990. Well, I love the fact that they cast the guy who played. Yeah. His dad, John Wesley Shipp, and, yes. and, and, that he was the original Flash was great. And he was a great Flash. Yeah. And a terrible uniform, but great Flash. You know what? For 1990, it was fantastic. That's true. A lot That's of fake true. muscle and foam. That's true. I was also a Greatest American Hero fan when sure. it first came out. But. Sure. Uh, we were talking about that at lunch, because it seems like that is a project that is always on the cusp of being remade as a yes. film. Yes, yes. Or another series, or something. Yeah. Who would you cast as the greatest American hero? Great right idea. Um, never even thought about it. Uh, gosh, I don't. Who would you cast? I feel like uh, the answer I gave at lunch was Steve Carell. I feel Interesting like choice. Girl, but I think I might go with T.J. Miller instead. Oh, wouldn't that be awesome? I think he'd be a fantastic greatest American. But hero. then you've got to also cast the Robert Culp role. As the FBI agent, his about, handler, right? How about Michael Douglas again? We seem to be getting be able to get him into... That's interesting. That's interesting. Now, you're talking about a movie or you're talking about a, a TV series? I'm talking about a movie. A movie. Okay, a movie. Uh, interesting. Although I'm not a big fan of his. I, that would sort of... T.J. Miller? Or no, no, a huge fan of T.J. Sure. Miller. Although T.J. Miller might actually be great as the FBI handler, to tell you the truth. Really? Um, but um, Topher Grace would be an interesting Greatest American hero. Oh, yeah, he would. He would. He'd be really... I mean, I'm not a huge fan of his, but he has that sort of wry sense of humor that would lend itself to that. And he plays the that sort of awkward, clumsy... Yeah. He can play that really well. Yeah. And then you'd have to have William Cat come in just as a cameo for something. Oh, sure. Right? You'd have to be, like, the principal of the school. Yeah, that's why I was bummed out. You know, they had him in a throwaway role in Heroes... Yes. Where he was killed off in the first ten minutes of the episode he was in or something. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I was always a sucker for that show. It's great. Are you uh, planning on watching Heroes Reborn? <sighs> I, well, I'm planning to give it a shot. Sure. I, the first season, I thought, was, was really good. And I agree. And then it rapidly got really bad. It, you know, th- that first season finale had, like... It felt like they were getting ready to fulfill on the promise they had been building all season long. Yes. 
which is all you really want, I think, to a certain extent as a comic book fan, is like build it really well and then pay off what you're yeah. building. But and then they, they they almost they pretty much threw it away. But I think the show suffers as so many shows suffer with this idea you've got to do 22 episodes first of all, and then you've got this giant cast. Yeah. It's like, well, how are you going to make good on everything you're setting up? It's way too many plots, way too much going on. Imagine if uh, Netflix had been more prominent or existed at or, that time. Or Yahoo, or if the BBC had done that series. Yeah. Did you ever see Misfits? No. No, not. Oh, well, check it out. It's on Hulu. Okay. Um, and it's a British series. And it's uh, the first three seasons are great. This, the fourth and fifth... They've re- they replace so many cast members by the time because of the fourth and fifth series is not quite as good, but it's great. It's uh, it's about these uh, this group of people. They're in their twenties and they're on a work, like a work furlough program. They've all done something wrong and they've been, they've been arrested and now they've got to do this probationary work where it's like cleaning up this shitty community center. Yeah, and they they get caught in this freak storm. And, and and everyone, this storm like sweeps across London, and yeah. people get these weird powers, and they they get these powers, but they don't know what to do with them. And I don't want to give anything away because no spoilers, no spoilers, because if you've never seen it, you, you've got to see every every yeah. piece of it, and it's great. The, but the upshot is they can't get out of this work furlough program because <laughs> something goes horribly wrong. And there's one guy in the group of them, in a group of five, that. And each each season is only six or seven episodes long. The whole first season, he can't figure out what his power is, and he's really bummed out because everybody else has these powers they can show off. And he, the very last show of the first season, he ends finds out what his power is. What what year was that? It was just a few years ago. Because it feels like it has that hero's feel. Yeah. Where there's the one guy it, who fact, doesn't came, know what his power is, and then he figures it out it, later on. It came out the year, I think either the year heroes broke or the year after in fact they, there's a couple of kind of veiled jokes about here if we were in America it wouldn't be this way right we'd all be superheroes or something <laughs> but it's very funny and they keep running into people that have gained power and they, they took the heroes formula and they just they gave the powers are so odd right just real weird stuff there's a bad guy who thinks he is in a video game and the world you see the world through his eyes that's and he's just trying to kill people to get this money to save his girlfriend. <laughs> and everyone he runs into is an animated character. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, so that's worth checking out. Is that available? Now, where can it's we on, go it's find on that? Hulu. It's on Hulu. It's on Hulu. Okay. Um, so if you have Hulu or access to Hulu, you can get that. Yeah. Um, I had a, I'll tell you this idea because you're actually somebody who might, since you appear to be a bit of a, a hero fan sure. or a science fiction fan, yeah. um, I've had this idea for a, ser- a web series I wanted to do called Slow Invasion. Okay. And it's about a guy who is uh, an alien scout from another culture. But he looks like an alien. I yeah. mean, he's got like green warty skin and stuff, and he, but he just he has a job working at like a copy store. And people have become so inured to everything that nobody even notices he isn't human. He has a human girlfriend who's a complete nag. He's got a roommate who's just a complete slacker asshole. His boss is a, is a scumbag who just wants to overwork him and underpay him. And the end of every episode, he's on the radio to this fleet that's coming towards Earth. And based on his, his interactions with humans that episode, he either is trying to tell them to come faster 
and wipe the, this civilization out, or slow it down just a little bit, I'm still observing. And from time to time, aliens from other species show up on Earth, and clearly they're also trying to take over the Earth, and he'll, he'll take them out. Because he's, either, he's sort of protecting the humans, or he just is protecting the investment that the aliens are making and trying to get the planet off Earth. Yeah, I like it. I would watch it. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out how to kind of get that made. It would be very low budget, obviously. You wouldn't need much. A little bit of makeup. <laughs> yeah. You could do when he's communicating a little uh, Mork and Mindy yes, thing. Exactly. Dark room. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> With a little pencil spotlight or whatever, that's right. whatever it is they use. That's right. So anyway, so that's, that's what my mind has been thinking about. I like it. I like it. That's a good, that is a good use of time and resource. <laughs> um... Have you listened to, to many podcasts? I know your time is rather precious, and I don't know how much time you... Uh, most people I, I interview for this show, even if they are podcasters, or maybe even especially as podcasters, they rarely listen to other other, show, other shows. You know, they're doing their own. Yeah. Uh, a lot of podcasters that I talk to are guests on other podcasts. You know, sure. if, like if you get a Paul F. Tompkins, he's on 18 other podcasts. Yes. And so they never listen. The entire world is this podcast. It is. I believe that it truly is. <laughs> um, I do. I, I listen a little bit to Thrilling Adventure Hour and Welcome to Night Vale. Jeez, mm-hmm. um, I listened to Serial. My probably who didn't. Yeah, exactly. We all did. In fact, there was a news story that broke today that he's being granted an appeal. Yes. Yeah, I saw that was maybe going to be happening. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Apparently, it it just happened. And that had to be the power of the show. I think it helped. They're saying that the appeal was filed before the show aired, but that that his attorney filed a supplement. Yes. Yeah. That I think. I think that's what I read was when they filed the supplemental. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I listened to that. I mean, my... Probably my favorite non... I, I mean, I like Talking Head podcasts. I think they're a lot of fun. My favorite non-Talking Head is probably Super Ego. Oh, sure. I think that they're so great. They were hilarious before Paul came in full-time. They're even better with him. Um, the episode they put out in the beginning of December, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I think they may have just released a new one. Oh, okay. That possibly. Sense, yeah. But they, they released one that I listened to... So many times, really? I kept making other people listen oh, to pieces of it. I, they're just—it's really well edited. Yeah, but also like the stuff they're putting out there is hilarious. Really, is. it's just so funny, and their timing—they have a really good rhythm with one another. So, I, I mean, I've done their show live before with them. Yeah, and it's so much fun. They're yeah, just, I think Matt Gorley. I mean, he—I think he really works editing that thing. Yeah, I've talked to him several times. Have you heard his? His show on Wolf Pop Network, his new one. Uh, the, I was there too. Yeah. Yes. So great. Yeah. Like, what a smart idea. Yeah, yeah. Great podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was funny. I've heard several of those episodes. Um, and then I saw him. I didn't, you know, because I've, I've met him a couple times. I finally realized he was doing all these VW commercials on yes. TV, <laughs> which is hilarious. Yeah, I see him all the time, and I'm always like, I'm like, oh, hey, Gorley. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's. It's always good to see someone you like who's really talented doing a job, like getting a job like that where it's not just one commercial, but yeah. a series of commercials. Okay, because national campaign. Yeah, hopefully like, that he's doing really well from that. Um, I would assume so. Even in today's world of lesser paying gigs. Yeah. There's still, I mean, well, you can still make a living. Oh, absolutely. Sure. But I talked to so many friends of mine, comics, that are just like, they'll do a web series and they pay like a hundred bucks a day. And just, yeah. 
just horrible. Yeah, there's not a ton of money in internet. No. There's some, I think. Well, it depends. But I mean, if you hit that sweet spot, if you hit that Mark Maron sweet spot where you can parlay it into a TV show and things like that, and I think yeah. I think it's definitely helped Thrilling Adventure Hour, you know? I mean, the stage show clearly in L.A. is very well known, and you guys sell out every time, but I think its um, ability to... Uh, be known everywhere is mm-hmm. really been helped by the podcast, and obviously that's going to up its its Q rating with TV executives and everybody else because they go, well, yeah, we know about you, but now all these other people are hearing about you. You know, yeah, it's good to it's always good to have more and more people aware, and it, it like I don't know the serial phenomenon was was odd to me, so it feels like every couple of years. Something comes along. Are your people leaving? Is this? Oh yeah, they, the musicians have their call earlier. Oh, okay. Uh, but it feels like every couple of years, the story is like podcasts are finally breaking through. Yes, they're huge now. <laughs> there was just a story. I was just who was I talking to you about this? Because the thing had just come out about podcasts are back. And what? Well, yeah, right. because of Serial. That's why podcasts are back. I mean, they, podcasts yeah. have never gone anywhere, but Serial just suddenly upped the the ante. Well, for once, it wasn't about the story. wasn't like, can you believe how much Mark Maron and Adam Carolla make in advertising for their podcast? Yeah. You can make a living at this because that seems to be what the story is like. Yeah. There are enough people listening that there's money to be made. Well, and this was, was like it was about the content of the podcast and not look who's got a podcast. Oh, look, exactly. Gilbert Gottfried has a podcast now. Yeah, no, it was here's somebody we've never heard of who's got this compelling story. Uh, and it was just put together in such a way that it was compelling. I mean, some of the episodes were like, almost like a, a housekeeping thing, right? Yes. But those first few episodes was just like, I mean, she really got into it really well, I thought. I agree. Did, and you, did you ever see the, it's, it's on YouTube, the spoof episode called Serial? Spelled Serial like breakfast cereal? No. This guy did a great <laughs> job. And it's, it's, it's an audio piece, but it's on YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. So there's pictures that go with it. But he copied everything perfectly. He's got the theme song. He's got the ad music. He's even got mail, a mail, fucked up MailChimp commercial. MailChimp. MailChimp. <laughs> and it's all about this, this box of Captain Crunch and who ate it. <laughs> and he did a great job with it. You should definitely give it a listen, track That's it down. Funny. Yeah, the only parody I've seen I've seen is the SNL parody. Oh, which was also very funny. Really great. But the fact that one thing could touch the culture to that extent, you know, almost anything these days doesn't have the power to punch through. Yeah. You know, back in the days of three network, three TV networks, you could have a show like Roots mm-hmm. that would t- sweep the co- country by storm. But now for something to grab interest like Serial did? I think it comes back to like a a really good, interesting story told well. Absolutely. And a lot of the emphasis feels like it's put on well, I made something. I gotta get it out to as many places as possible. Yeah. So it's more where it is rather than what it is. And, you know, like I don't know who knows what would happen with, with something like Roots nowadays? Probably what would happen is some people would watch it initially and then it would be on Netflix and everybody would watch it. Right. And it would be it would be like an Orange is the New Black or yes. House of Cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So that stuff like finds its way. You know, you find your way to it and people find it and it gets shared and people talk about it because it's good. Yeah, but this, I think the real significance of, some, of the power of, that Serial had was it drew people to a medium that people still didn't and still don't know how to get. 
Yeah. And so it forced them to say, well, what is going on here? I have to figure out how to listen to this thing. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I met so many people that just, they'd never bothered because it just seemed like such a hassle to get to the podcast. How do I download this thing? How do I listen to it? And they had learned how to download it, listen to it in their car, listen to it at work. And they were up to speed and up to date on every episode. And it was like, this one podcast has significantly changed the world of podcasting. It's drew, I don't know how many people it drew into it that had never, never tried it before, but it had to be amazing given the amount of territory that the publicity for Serial ended up yes. capturing. Yeah, it was one of those things where like people people were more afraid by the 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 hurdle of how do I how do I work a podcast? Yes. But this was enough to make them want to do it. I, I spoke with somebody like on a Wednesday night and they were like, oh yeah, I listened to, uh, or I'm going to start listening to it. I just figured out how to get it on my phone. The next night, they were like, I've, I'm caught up. I've yes. listened to everything. And it had just, like, just ended. Yeah, because like binge watching then transferred over to binge listening yeah. for podcasts, right? Um, I've noticed my numbers have been going up because I, you know, I, I've been doing these reviews for Split Cider for two years now. Yeah. And then I suddenly got the, the brilliant idea last year. I go, hey, you know what? I'm... I'm a you know vetted blogger on Huffington Post. Why aren't I doing this on Huffington Post? So I started repurposing all my reviews, and now that I'm Huffington Post with these reviews, and I've got my slug line at the bottom, that I've got this show that you know features comedy podcasts. My numbers have been going up because I found this new way to tell people about my show. So it's yeah. like, yeah, trying it's, to get the word out there. It's hard. Like there is something, you know. I was like I said before, people are more concerned about where they're putting it, but there is you do need to figure out access. Yeah, like. The animation stuff that I'm doing. It's it's fun. I think it's pretty good. Like, I stand by it. I'll post it on my Facebook page and post it on Tumblr and stuff. It'll get, like, 100 views. It's not setting the world on fire. Is it possible that there is an audience out there for it that I haven't found yet? Absolutely. Um, so it's, you know, neither Len nor I have spent a lot of time going, all right, how do we get... Yeah. people access to this. Do you have a YouTube channel for it yet? We do. It's Animation Films. U-N-I-M-A-T-I-O-N. So go check that out. Unimagine, unimagined Films. Un- animation. Unimagined. Like, like animation, oh, but with Animation U. Films. Animation, yeah. Very uh, cool. It's fun. I was reading about this um, this woman. I don't know if you saw this thing. It was bouncing around the internet the last couple of weeks. This woman has been since 2012. She does an unboxing show on YouTube where she unboxes toys like they do for tech stuff but it's sure. toys like she'll, she'll get like a frozen thing yeah and she'll just take it out of the box and show the dolls to the camera and stuff and she explains what she's showing yeah she's, she's making like four million she's made like four million dollars she gets thousands and thousands of hits because she's unboxing toys on YouTube. There's something to that. It sounds crazy. Yeah. Um, so part of my day job is I work with bloggers and one of the bloggers we work with has a YouTube channel where she she's really into Pokemon, like the card game, like video game as well, and she opens packs. You never see her. You just see like the pack being opened and all the cards. That's all this woman with the toys. And I was, you know, we discovered yeah. this person was driving users to our site, 
and I'm looking going oh this is really like it's it's an interesting concept but who would watch a 12 minute video of somebody unboxing something and, or unwrapping a pack of cards and I am not I, I missed I'm a little too old for Pokemon <laughs> and I watched the video and damned if 12 minutes later I hadn't watched the whole thing it, it, because it, psychologically I was brought to it's that feeling of like opening a pack of baseball cards. Like yes. first there's that feel, like that sound of the pack opening that triggers a memory, but then it's like, what did I get? And you look one at a time. Like it, it really somehow captures that experience, and I guess it's more important to me than I thought it was. I was joking on my podcast, and I think maybe I'll do this. I'm going to start doing that with my Daily Mail. Just hey, Bill. Bill Dwyer, how are you doing? Hey, Bill. Oh, Bill, Mark Hershon. Yeah, how are you? Mark, I thought it was you. I haven't yeah. seen you since the Santa Monica Improv days. <laughs> and Facebook, of course, where we're close friends. Edit this shit out. I mean, don't leave I this can't. in here. You're in. You're in. Because this music track, I can't edit anything. Oh, my God, yeah. But it's good to see you, man. I mean, I think we've talked on Facebook for the last seven years, but uh, <laughs> good to see you. So I'll uh, probably see you tonight. Uh, I, I'm going to try and make it. I don't you know don't have to make it to my show. I'll just, you yeah. know. I'll be around. See you around the schoolyard. All right. Nice good to, to see you. See you guys. <laughs> Bill, you I had an improv group that was the house improv group at the Santa Monica Improv back yeah. when it was open. And Bill was the house manager. Wow, <laughs> that's crazy. But, but I mean, I you know I've been in this business so long. I was writing for a comedy newspaper out of Northern California, and my press contact at HBO got me into um, the first comic relief at the Universal Amphitheater was Judd Apatow, who was an assistant in the PR department. Wow. So it goes back a ways. I still remember his stand-up when he was yes. doing like. Was maybe right after Ben Stiller show. Yeah, like he was doing some stand up, and he would do like the Cylon family, or that's like right, that's the, right. That uh, when you had the voice box from smoking, and <laughs> yeah. and his Jay Leno, his Jay Leno impression. Uh huh. So funny. Like the first time you see somebody, that context sort of sticks in your head. So there must be for you, like when you see that he's oh. putting out a film, you're like, isn't that the PR intern? Yeah. Like there's still. There's always going to be a part of that in your mind that sort of sticks in as the image. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he knows things about me nobody should know. <laughs> Just wait. Next movie's going to be all about oh, God, Mark's Secrets not. Revealed. Oh, God, I hope not. Starring Seth Rogen. <laughs> as Mark's Secrets. <laughs> interesting. That is interesting. Um, anyway, so yeah, it's just it's interesting watching the phenomena of, of podcasting and sort of self-generated entertainment uh, just on its own, just sort of get out there, you know? It's, um, uh, as you were saying, it's really, you know, how, how many different ways can you get word out there that you're doing it? Like, you've got your YouTube channel, and you've got it on your Facebook page, mm-hmm. you've got all that, and it's just, well, is this thing going to click? Is, you know, something going to happen? Am I going to get it? Or will I do an episode that, for whatever reason, suddenly generates all this back interest in everything that I've done? Right. You know? Right. It's, you know, like, look, if, if God willing, somehow I were to hit big somehow, and people knew who, who I was, they probably, uh, who I am, whatever... <laughs> I'm sure that was the worst grammar ever. Who I, I wish was. we could edit this if, so bad. If only we, I wasn't dead. Yeah, if only we knew who I'd be. Um, <laughs> like they could go back, and all of a sudden, that stuff could have a good number of views. You just don't, you just don't know. Like, is this the thing that propels me somewhere, or is this the thing that that 
I can just point people to that I've got a sort of a backlog of work they can. Yeah, play. or even you know the fact that you know you, you see Guardians of the Galaxy and you go, oh, I like Chris Pratt. Well, you know he was on the you know last six seasons of Park and Rub. What? And then you go back and you're like, I never watched the show. This is really funny. It's like wait a minute, Hal's Hal's on all those. Uh, amazing Adventure Hour? Wait a minute, yeah, yeah, yeah. listen to that. It's like, so it, it, it back generates interest and it's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's funny meeting like Night Vale fans. And, and this happens with Thrilling Adventure as well. Like, I'll, people will come to a Thrilling Adventure show who are also Night Vale fans, so they'll want to talk about Night Vale. And then at Night Vale shows, like the one in New York, we went out and met like this crush of fans, mm-hmm. all dressed in costume, all <laughs> wanting to meet Cecil and Dylan, and understandably so. Um, but there are people who are like, I love the Thrilling Adventure Hour, which is awesome. I love the, that, uh, I think one of the things the crossover has done is sort of allowed those audiences to cross-pollinate a little bit more. So it's cool to see, to have somebody come see you in one thing, but also recognize and want to talk about the other. Yeah. Yeah, it's also interesting how podcasts are generating uh, like podcasts. Uh, I just featured a podcast that I just, you know, I've got this section of my review that just says other podcasts I'm listening to, because there's not enough space to write about everybody. So I'll do a review and then I'll mention two things. And one of them was this one called um, Pretend Wizards, and it's a bunch of people playing D&D. Okay. There's like 58 episodes of it already. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, it's, uh, I, I had alluded to one, and mentioned the fact it was like, you know, it, it, it was sort of like a, almost a straight version of Nerd Poker, which is sure. the one that Brian Poussain does. Yeah. Which half the time they just kind of completely devolve from the game and they're just, it's all a bunch of piss and shit jokes. Yes. <laughs> then the people who did Pretend Wizards, they, they said, well, we started doing our show because of Nerd Poker. Yep. Uh, so it's, you, you know, how do you remain original in a world where people are constantly copying what you're doing? And here's the crazy part is I know for a fact that there is at least one other podcast that is just a group of people playing D&D. Oh, definitely. No, I, there's several of them. Yeah, there's, there's one called, it's called, um, what is it, Isocahedrophilia, I think is the <laughs> name of it. And it's just a pe- like each time, and it's not like the recording is like they have set up a lav mic in the other room. Yes. So you just hear yeah, like, yeah. Uh, my name is Andy, my character is a twelfth level elf ranger. <laughs> so like you completely and and I kind of wish for things like that that they sounded a little bit different. Well, yeah, that's I mean that's my bugaboo. Always has been since I started my show. Is I'll, I'm happy to talk about anybody's comedy podcast, but. Dear Lord, this is an audio medium. Yes. You've got to work on your audio content. It's you know, it's it's. Why else is anyone going to listen to you? Right. You know. Yeah. You can listen only so long, and finally it's like, oh, it's it's too hard. I can't, I can't do this. Yeah. I don't want to think it's the same guy just moving positions around the table. <laughs> the, the one exception to that for me is the bugle. I love because the bugle. John Oliver and Andy Zaltzman have similar enough voices that you can't like you know if it's a terrible pun it's Andy Zaltzman yes like that's that's your real clue but other than that their voices to me sound very similar well, I tell, but yeah I could tell both brilliant so. I could tell the difference well I, I was really weaned on Python okay since my uh, junior high days so I could really I have an ear for the English accents mm-hmm. but you can always tell John Oliver because he's usually on a Skype call so his has the quality <laughs> His, the, yeah, the quality of his end of the show is always a little bit less in terms of audio quality. But I love the bugle. I just did a big review of the bugle a couple weeks ago because it's just it was around the um, 
the uh, Charlie Hebdo thing that happened okay. in France. I said, when, you know, when I really need to find out what's going on in the world of comedy-based news reporting, I always turn to the Bugle. Oh, they're so great. So, sm- like, I can't believe I didn't think to mention that when I talked about the podcast that I listen to, because that's definitely one of them. Yeah, absolutely. So good. Great. Well, listen, I'm going to let you go. I know you got to get kind of fired up for rehearsal. you got two shows. I've used enough of your voice. Thank you so much. Oh no! Thank you for having me. Oh no, I ruined that the last word. word was enough. Oh, I ruined that one. Oh, no. You're going to have to get a voice synthesizer. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. We're juice players. I'm so happy to be here. Exactly. But thanks so much. It's great to talk to you for a third year in a row. Always a pleasure. And as I keep saying, one of these times on my trips to L.A., we'll get together in person down there and actually talk. You keep threatening me. I know. You keep know, threatening me. But I it's hard to get down there that often for me. You'll do it. I believe in you. All right, Al, thanks so much. My pleasure. That's the wrap on our third annual Hal Lublin interview from the 14th annual SF Sketch Fest. Find more Hal through the Thrilling Adventure Hour and go to his website, hallublin.com. We've got our burst of Durst coming up. This time, Will Durst sounds off about a modern version of the tar pits and the types of dinosaurs that they're taking down. But first... Let's wallow around in the tweet sack. Hello, Tweety. Got an email from past guest podcaster, comedian, and friend of Succotash, Paul Mercurio. He's coming back to the San Francisco Punchline March 4th through the 7th, and he wanted to jump on the show to chat that up. So uh, I'll be talking to him in the next episode, and we'll talk about his visit to the city by the bay. Speaking of which, I'd gotten a note in the tweet sack last time from Kevin Bartini, the host of the Movie Preview Review podcast, where he and his cronies review a movie based purely on the strength of the preview for the film. He's also a comedian with a new album out. He's also the warm-up guy for the nightly show with Larry Wilmore on Comedy Central, the new show that took over for The Colbert Report. He asked if we'd be interested in interviewing him. I mean, come on, this is the guy who spearheaded the drive to have a street in New York City renamed in honor of George Carlin. So, of course, that chat's in the can. We did it just this afternoon. I will have it for you coming up in Epi 106. Will Durst, who we're about to hear from, wrote me to kick around the possibilities of finding someone to sponsor his segment of our show, which would be great. I mean, it would be great to get a sponsor for our show. But uh, we're going to see if we can find someone who just wants to specifically do that. If you want to sponsor the Burstow Durst or know someone who's got money who would like to, Let's talk. Just drop us a line at Durst, D-U-R-S-T, at SuccotashShow.com. Our Succotash zipper pull finally arrived in South Korea to Samantha Pet of the Kimchi Chronicles. She tweeted a picture of it to prove it, and good is her word, she has sent me some Korean fire noodles with a dare to try them. Now, they should be coming, I think, probably this week. I mentioned last episode that I'll cook them up and shoot video of myself trying them. The fire noodle challenge. I may need the ice bucket challenge afterwards. We'll see. All right, let's get to our mention of those folks nice enough to tweet, retweet, favorite, follow, DM, like, or otherwise mention Succotash out there in the social media sphere in the past week. Bay Area Comedy Network, Callum Lang, Niall Rivers, Alex Kisby, Leonard Kim, Pierre Blackburn, Crimson Attack, Tom Geiser, Soda Press, Andrew D., The Big and Tall Show, Charles Cobb, The Morning Gerald, Faces Out, Cracklecast, The Krista T, Kathleen Ball, 
New Visions Radio, The Slant, April Dawn Roach, Hey Guys Comedy, Denise Brewer, Mimi Toll, Dr. F. Ben Dettini, Producer Artist HQ, Nikki, Dark Blaze, Brian Flaherty, Date Night, Salty Language Pod, Illusionoid, San Diego Sabrina, The Big Cat, State of Grey, Danny LaBelle, Cole Stratton, Rapture Insurance, Christine Blackburn, Comedy Featured, Shaq Scott, Adam Wolf, Podcast Dan, Shit's Legit, The Sibling Rivalry, Kraken Podcast, Shrin666, JJ Benz, Charles Cobb, Flowetry, Matt Weinhold, Russ Turner, The Amish Baby Machine, Nigel Bordell, The Angry Chimp, The Wrong Foot Podcast, Sharon Paul, Making Ends Meet, Callie Nixon, Misty Porter, Dan Delgado, Dis After Dark Podcast, Humphrey Gokes, Santo, SNL Video Clips, Bettina Olson, Malarkey from New Jersey, DAPF Pod Annalise, Tommy Royal, and Davy and Dent. Happy to answer any questions you might have. Send them along to me at MARC, that's Mark at SuccotashShow.com. I will toss them in the tweet sack for an upcoming episode. All right, take it away, Mr. Durst. Hey, guys. Will Durst here with a few choice words about launching the death struggle of modern dinosaurs. Kind of fun to look into the tar pits and see these huge, lumbering, antediluvian beasts dig themselves deeper in the sticky issue of gay marriage. For some reason, other people having sex make some folks crazier than drunken squirrels on a telephone wire covered in ice. Judge Roy Moore can't stop thinking about it, which frankly is a bit suspicious. He's the Chief Justice of the Alabama Supreme Court who ordered probate judges in the Yellowhammer State to ignore a federal court order and refuse to issue marriage certificates to gay couples. The same Judge Moore who was kicked out of the same office 12 years ago after ignoring another federal court order to remove a two and a half ton granite block inscribed with the Ten Commandments from the rotunda of the Alabama Judicial Building. You could say he's not big on federal court orders. You could also say that Alabama's so far on the wrong side of history, a stegosaurus is closer than a Prius. See, it's not the law that's important. It's what Judge Moore thinks Jesus wants that's important. Muhammad, Buddha, Krishna, not so much. The top adjudicator of the entire state can't figure out that displaying the Ten Commandments promotes one religion over others and is in direct opposition to the U.S. Constitution. George Wallace is alive and well in Alabama. The United Dixie White Knights branch of the KKK released a statement supporting the judge on their website, complete with two spelling errors. Now, couple pieces of advice. One, if you want to be taken seriously, hire a 12-year-old kid familiar with spell check to run your website. And two, if any single one of your positions is ever supported by the KKK, you probably will want to think again. For Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast, I'm Will Durst. Get more Will Durst at his home site at willdurst.com. He also tweets at Will Durst. You can catch him here, of course, every episode with our burst o durst. All right, that's it. We're done for now. Succotash Chats Epi 104 is done. Kaput. Unless you listen to it again, of course. Until we return next time with the next edition of Succotash Clips, please take time out to like us on Facebook, rate and review us on iTunes, heart us up on SoundCloud, thumbs up us on Stitcher, buy our merch through the Succotashery on our website, 
click our donate button and shop on Amazon by clicking on that banner at the top of the page at SuckatashShow.com. Or just remember to please pass the Suckatash. You've been listening to Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast with your host, Mark Hershon. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuckatashShow.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher Smart Radio, and on SoundCloud. You can also hear us streaming and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Suckatash Show. Email us at MA rc at succotashshow.com or call into the Succotash hotline at our non-toll-free call number 818-921-7212 Succotash is produced and engineered with the kind assistance of Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, home of the hit. Our associate producer is Tyson Saner. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Turges. Until next time, I am your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the succotage. Goodbye.